Blog Good Talk evening. Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve. And say hello to my co-host, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, this week is actually a topic that means a lot to myself and Kyle because um, he and I are both being veterans. In fact, that's where we met when, when we were serving together in the Air Force. We were going to be armchair booking the top 10 military veterans in wrestling. And this one is going to be a little different because even though we say top 10, um, this one is almost kind of hard to list because we felt like we were doing everybody else a disservice. At least I did. You know, what do you think, Kyle? It, it, it's hard to differentiate between veterans or the, the few people in the world that have served and wrestled, but we're basing it on their wrestling careers, not their military service. Right. And this, and even as I put it in the description, but to be in Veterans Day or Remembrance Day, if you're in the Commonwealth Nations, um, I was stationed in England for six and a half years, and every November 11th uh, or the weekend connected to maybe a couple of days before or after, depending on what day of the week it fell on, was Remembrance Sunday. And they would have a big ceremony, and um, I actually marched in a few of the parades for that. Um, I want to say in the town of Sudbury and the village of Fetwell. But that was actually pretty cool, you know, uh, participating in that with one of our uh, biggest allies in their military. Um you know, but in honor of uh, this week, you know, rather Wednesday being Veterans Day, the the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month, this is why we decided we were going to recognize those veterans. And like I said, because it means a lot to myself and Kyle. Um, and before we get started, I, w- I do want to give the contact info for us. If you wish to email us, hit us up at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. We're on Twitter, Booking Armchair. You can find our archived episodes at iHeartRadio or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You just do a search for Armchair Booking. And if you want to do a live call-in tonight, our guest phone number is area code 319-527-6089. Have I forgotten anything, Kyle? I think you mastered the phone number this week. Yes, I do remember the phone number. Um, you know, so, um, you know, before we get started with our number 10, we will go ahead and take our first commercial break. And we are back. Um, so, let me explain how we actually come up with our, what Kyle and I consider to be the top 10. We both send each other a list of 20, or or rather our top 20. From those 20, we assign points, uh, with the number one person getting 20 points, number two getting 19 points, number three getting 18, and so on and so forth. And then we take those, all the names, and we combine them, and we add up all the points a certain name may have. And whoever has the most points, well, that's the number one. And second number of points, of course, that's your number two. 
So that's how we come up with it. And right now there's only two of us. If anybody else ever feels free to contribute to us, oh, by all means. That's what we always let everybody know when we're going to have a top ten. Uh, so as much audience participation as possible. That's the way I look at it. But um, Kyle, do you want to do you want to start us off? Or you want me to start us off this week with our number ten? I also want to point out that there's no discrepancy with our vote count since there's only two of us. Yes. <laughs> so our number 10 competitor, both as a wrestler and a manager, is Captain Lou Albano. Yep. Um, more famous for being a manager. Um, but, I mean, he was a wrestler before he – you know, stepped out of the ring and, and managed uh, quite a few famous people. I mean, he was the the Samoans. He was their manager. Um, he was actually the British Bulldogs manager for a bit before he finally retired. In fact, I want to say his last matches were with the Bulldogs. But, yeah, uh-huh. Captain, go ahead. As a fan, I remember watching him manage Ivan Koloff. He was and Ivan's manager, wasn't he, when he beat Bruno? Ivan Koloff's manager when he defeated Bruno San Martino. And he he basically was what we know as Bobby Heenan before Bobby Heenan was in the WWF because he would lead the heel wrestler that would take on Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, all the way to Hulk Hogan. And then the tag teams he managed, you have the Valiant Brothers, the Wild Samoans, the Yukon Lumberjacks, the Blackjacks, the Moondogs, the U.S. Express, if you remember those. I do. Very Wyndham, Mike Rotunda. And he was a tag team champion himself with the Sicilians. Oh, was it Barron's... uh... Luna, looking back, is boy, wrestling uh, all you had to be was a foreigner and you were a heel. <laughs> or portray yourself as a foreigner. So he uh, he had quite an impact in, in the wrestling community and we should remember him in rock and wrestling, when we we became fans, because Cindy Lauper, he was in some music videos and managed uh, Wendy Richter, didn't he? And I, you know, wrestling. I don't, I don't think he actually managed Wendy Richter. Um, I think he was part of that, but I don't think he was actually her manager. I'll have to look. Uh, I know he was very involved with the creation of the first WrestleMania. Um, but I think Wendy Richter was actually being managed by Cindy Lauper. And they had that whole rock and wrestling thing. And then Roddy Piper, he broke the gold record over Lou Albano's head. Um, and that's when they, they were having wrestling on MTV. Um, so they were really really helping it go mainstream. And then, of course, WrestleMania, um, you know, the original WrestleMania. 
you know, the first time I ever saw Captain Lou Albano was in a wonderful wrestling movie from 1987 that I think a certain teenager should do a podcast about Body Slam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she looked at me and she went, what? I'm telling you, it had Dirk Benedict and Rowdy Piper, and Captain Lou was the manager for the heel tag team in that movie. And that was the first time I saw him because I have a long family history of watching terrible 80s movies. (laughs) And that one sounds like it's pretty terrible. I mean, I can't say much because I saw No Holds Barred in the theater. It was me and like three other people in the theater. I think I was the oldest one. I introduced that to my my son and his four friends, and they went to school that Monday and said, "What's that smell?" <laughs> but oh, Tony Altamir, that was his tag team partner. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. What's that smell became a thing at school for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, and. He was like you were mentioning him being with Cindy Lauper. He was the dad in the girls just want to have fun video. Yep. Um, and but the, the perfect manager for the seventies and the in the eighties. Yep, and he was the first person I could think of that had anything pierced besides his ears, because he had his cheek pierced. Uh. But. Um, but the funny thing is, talk about Captain Lou being uh, a wrestler, then a manager. Our next one, and actually we have a tie for number eight, but we'll go ahead and keep with the manager, wrestler, old school theme. That'd be Classy Freddie Blassie. And what I think Classy Freddie Blassie, honestly, the one thing I think is the term pencil neck geek. Yeah, because he called everybody a pencil neck geek, and we, that was actually something we actually heard people at school calling each other that a pencil neck geek. The what I remember about Freddie Blassie was his blonde hair and his tan. Yeah, because in, he had skin cancer a couple times. Up until the point where he. Uh, he was in a wheelchair. Even in a wheelchair, that man was tan. Mm-hmm. But and he, good. He was in a tag team, wasn't he? With um, because he he wrestled out west. Yes, and I'm actually looking, looking at Quite his Wikipedia bit. right now, and this is probably something I I probably should have done. Before the podcast, but this has been, uh, uh, like I told you earlier, this has been a crazy, crazy week for me. Um, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Mainstay, right? Yeah. Uh, it, says, it says Billy McDaniel. And Billy McDaniel, actually, the link is red, so there's actually not a page on, on him. So I couldn't tell you much about him. But, you know, he served in the Navy during World War II in the Pacific. 
Yeah, so he saw, I'm pretty sure, you know, he saw something. But the, the man in the 60s could stir up a crowd so bad that he needed ununiformed police officers to go to and from the ring. That's, yep. that's, that's able to tear some people up. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, a great heel. Um, you know, and I don't think, you know, anybody nowadays could stir up a crowd that bad, at least not in the WWE, and not just by doing that, because he had people wanting to kill him. Uh, another guy who retired, became a manager, which is, there's probably not enough of those today. No, there's not. Hulk Hogan's original manager. Yep. And not only that, but he was the Iron Sheik's manager when the Sheik beat Bob Backlund in the garden for the title. And Boy, that, did he put about that. And then, of course, you know, uh, the Iron Sheik lost it less than a month later to Hogan right there in the garden again. Um, You know, but I think anytime they have a manager, and yes, we know the nature of the business. However, when they have you managing the world champion, that kind of says a lot about you also. You know, they said they actually trust you to help put this person over. And he, uh, he managed Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheet to tag team gold at the first WrestleMania against the U.S. Express. They shoved the cig- a lit cigar in the microtunda's eye. Oh, he. Someone uh, as a manager, not a wrestler, that would have been someone that could manage a stable today. I would say so. And probably greatly underappreciated by today's wrestling fans. I'll tell you what an influence that cigar might be. This weekend, this past weekend, at a live show that I saw with, with the Northern Russian Federation out of Cincinnati, one of their guys, um, he's a manager, and he actually just started following our Twitter page, um, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And if I'm about to go, um, I could tell you his initials, but um, his name is Sinclair Oct- Octavius Bentley. So you see his initials. Um, but he has a cigar, and he also, you know, is dressed up, you know, in a nice three-piece suit. Well, um, after, you know, and he's always carrying a cigar. And, you know, of course, it's not lit because, you know, laws. But after the match was over, the guy he was managing, you know, they, they attacked his opponent. Uh, a guy named D.C. was his opponent. Um, and he said, okay, we're going to take a souvenir. And he brought out the cigar cutter. And 
it was like he was going to cut dude's finger off. And of course they stopped it and you'll be fine. And, um, you know, but I was like, wow, they're going old school. I like this. Interesting. Where can we check out the NWF? Well, they have a Facebook page. They also have a Twitter. Uh, just look up Northern Wrestling Federation. You can also find Northern Wrestling Federation uh, Future Stars, which is a lot of their up-and-comers. It's almost like an NXT-type deal. Um, but the owner of the company is a man named Roger Ruffin, who has also started following our podcast page. Um he was a former WWF referee. In fact, he actually um, refereed the first match at WrestleMania 8 that was between Tito Santana and Shawn Michaels. Uh, and now he runs the Northern Wrestling Federation, and he's the head trainer. Uh, they put on a great show every time I've seen them, whether it be in my little town that I live in, or and I've seen a couple of their shows in other towns. Um and there, there's never been a bad seat because you know they're not they're not performing in arenas, but they're performing in kind of local jobs. You know, um, like all uh, union halls. We have a sports complex here in my town that they perform in. Um, that's great. You know, they have great interaction with the fans. They have great action, um, and it's just a fun time all around. You know, and the person who interviewed me on his podcast. Uh, about a week and a half ago, Jordan Garber, he just became um, their partner as far as interviews goes. He's going to start interviewing one of their stars. I believe it's going to be every Friday. So I'm really happy about that, you know, really happy they could actually get that connection going and uh, happy I actually had a indirectly had a part in it. So, um, you know, so congratulations to all of them. Um, so, so back to our veterans, our tie for number eight. And I think you probably know him better than I do. Yes, sir. So our number eight competitor, or, well, our tied number eight, is a Army veteran by the name of Ken Kennedy, or also Ken Anderson. And he came on the scene probably when you had stopped watching wrestling for a little while. Mm -hmm. And he was originally in Anderson, but you know, the Anderson name has a folklore in the WWE because of Arn. And they changed his name to Ken Kennedy in OVW. Paul Heyman actually did that and gave him a gimmick where he would announce himself when he came into the ring like an old school fighter. The microphone would drop down from the ceiling and he basically announced himself, Mr. Kennedy! Kennedy! And Drew a bit of heat for it was over with the crowd, but the injury bug really, really affected his career. He, uh, was the intercontinent. Well, 
United States champion in WWE. And he was in a couple tag teams, got into a backstage incident with Hardcore Holly, got into a little bit of conflict with uh, John Cena, Randy Orton, among other people, and was won a Mr. Money in the Bank match. And they thought he tore his tricep. Is he one of the few that never cashed in successfully? Ended up losing his briefcase to Edge. And Edge uh, basically won the championship with the briefcase. He was rumored to be the original choice for Vince McMahon's son, his hidden son that ended up going to Hornswoggle. But it was just little things that kept derailing his WWE career. And he he went to Impact Wrestling, total nonstop action, whatever you want to call it, and won their title. Uh, was a heavyweight champion down there joined Aces Aces and Eights and was at least entertaining for a while and now runs a wrestling school up in Wisconsin with Devari. He was a real entertaining wrestler during that period and just little injuries. Um, if we ever do a top 10 for wrestlers whose career got derailed for injuries, he would be pretty high on the list. Well, I'm looking for ideas for a top 10, so that might be it here fairly soon. Um, not in two weeks, though, because it's going to be too obvious. But, um, now, Somebody's talking about um, Mr. Kennedy, you know, Ken Kennedy, his career being cut short by injury. Our next one had a pretty long career, and he definitely was not cut down by any kind of injury. And if he did get injured, well, he came back. And this um, this person is not just a wrestler, but he was also one of the most well-known promoters in the history of wrestling. And that'd be Vern Gagne. Well, Former, hold on. Yeah. Laverne, Clarence, Ganya. I would have went with Vern, too. Say it again? His name was Laverne. Laverne. Oh, okay. Somehow missed that. But he, he shortened it to Vern because Vern sounds way better. Uh, yeah. Um, Slight it. Is it French? No. He, uh, being as old as he was, being born in 1926, that was one of those classic names. A Midwest name, we have a Laverne in our church. 
it's just one of those names. That's how I know it. But the first real wrestler on this list, two-time NBA champion and an alternate on the 1948 Olympic team. And he was also on the Navy underwater demolition teams. Um, that's the Buds, right? A real tough guy. Yeah, because you can't be, you know, weak of heart to try to join one of the one of those teams. But what was it? it went into the NWA. Uh, was it United States champion? Defeated Luthez. Uh, who, when he was NWA champion, and used his money to invest in land in Minnesota, where he was from. I don't know about you. I know we talked about our fandom in the earlier episodes. I used to watch AWA wrestling every day when I got home from school on ESPN. And if I would have had ESPN at the time, I probably would have been doing that too. And they used to film in Las Vegas, and we were one state over and used to watch matches all the time. And Burns, his time as a promoter and owner of the AWA, um, you know, he's always going to be listed, I think, as one of the top promoters ever. Um, but he didn't want to change with the times. And he was not a fan of Hulk Hogan because he thought of wrestling should be a, be wrestlers. Um, and he realized later on after Hogan left and was and he knew, or at least they knew, that Hogan was about to set the wrestling world on fire in the WWF that he made a mistake. And then there's also the rumor that um, he offered the Iron Sheik uh, cash money to break Hogan's leg um, during that match. Yeah. You know, don't know if it's true or not. You know, it's just rumor and innuendo. It's just speculation. Uh, if it is true, then, you know, that's, that's bad. Um, but... Some of the, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm even too young to have seen um, some of his matches, but I've seen some of the, um, like the pictures, you know, some of the older pictures of some of the movies he did. I mean, he, he was a technical wrestler, and actually, I mean, I actually like technical wrestling. Um, I don't mind high flying, I don't mind the power moves, but I mean, but the technical wrestling to me, it's, you know, that's where you have to use your head. Um, and then he accidentally killed a guy in a nursing home. But yeah, that's not story. But he he had all timers at that point. Yep. <laughs> so the interesting thing about Vern Gagne, one of only six people to be inducted in the WWE, WCW, and Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yep, and I couldn't tell you who the other five are off the top of my head. Andre the Giant. Um, okay. Drawn to play others. 
Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, um, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. I mean, I'll just kind of have it up and, um, yeah, I ain't going to try to. <laughs> uh, okay, there's a metric butt ton of um, move, or names here. Bruno's actually part of that. How about Rookie Steamboat? Uh, looks like Bachwinkle, Hogan. Um, before we get off, off subject, um, actually, before we get off subject, I'm going to go ahead and take our next commercial break. Okay, and we're back. So, moving on from Vern, um, you know, even though we talked about Vern, he was a frogman. That was the name of the underwater demolition team. They, they referred to as frogmen. They were known for being double tough. One of the other occupations in the military, which everybody knows, is being a ranger, being an Army ranger. They don't just hand that tab to anybody. You have to earn it. And the next person on our list, I would say he definitely earned it because you could tell the man was tough just when he carried himself in the ring, and that's Perry Saturn. What an awesome haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Who had it first, Kyle? You, You or Perry? He had it first. Well, I may have had it first by birth, but <laughs> he uh, he jumped out on the screen in ECW when he was one of the eliminators with John Kronos, and they had a finishing move, Total Devastation, that was absolutely awesome, and he and Kronos didn't get along. So they uh, ended up breaking up and he went to WCW. But the tag team division in ECW, when they were around, they had the gangsters with New Jack. They had the Pitbulls. Has uh they had RVD, Sabu, the Rottens, the Steiners came in for a while. They had an awesome, Public Enemy was another one. They had an awesome tag team division. And the Eliminators were the cream of the crop. Then he goes to WCW and joins Raven's Flock. And looked like the toughest dude to the bunch. You remember watching that? I do. I mean, because Raven's Flock, and I think we discussed this on our Top Ten Stables and Factions episode, um, I don't think Raven's Flock get enough due. Um, But that's just me. But, yeah, Perry Saturn, he was a really, really big part of that. Based, Based on look. Because, you know, Vince McMahon had a certain favoritism towards certain wrestling bodies. You would have thought Saturn would have been a really big star, something bigger than he was. And although he was a multiple-time champion in WCW, WWF, 
the thing you remember most for Saturn? Unfortunately, um, because Saturn was on his way up, and then he um, he took liberties with. Well, I don't want to say he took liberties with a kid, but um, he got kind of ticked off at somebody for botching the move. Mike Bell. Mike Bell. It was Mad Dog Mike Bell. And then he basically beat him up for real. And Vince McMahon, being Vince McMahon, um, stuck him with a bad gimmick, and now everybody, like you said, remembers him for Moppy. And I remember when all that was happening. I didn't know why they did that to him. I didn't know about the Mike Bell incident until years later because it was on, like, like Sunday Night Heat or something like that. It wasn't one, one of the main shows. And I just thought it was such a waste. I was like, you know, you got this guy. He has um, a move set unlike anybody else. You know, his moves look legit because they are legit. He's got a great look. Um, he had the stamina to go along with. He'd go a, a long way. So why are you having him fall in love with a mop? didn't make any sense. Right. And they, that's how they punish guys. Really. I think you see punishment in WWE to this day. Because you can't tell me that Lana deserves to be stuck through a table six weeks in a row. And actually, I meant to have the TV on during all this so I could catch it. Let me see if, if they're putting on their... Seven weeks in a row. Um, oh, and they must have listened to me when I said um, had the Undertaker do his last hurrah at the Survivor Series because it's exactly on the 30th anniversary. They must have listened to me because apparently that's what they're doing. So while you're doing that, our next competitor on the list is... One of the famous Armstrong brothers, also known as the Road Dog, and Brian Armstrong. Also known as Jesse James. So he he did tours in Desert Storm. The original Desert Storm, I believe. Well, yeah, it have to be, yeah, because... Um, because he was already um, he was part of the Attitude Era, because Desert Storm Two, uh, Iraqi Freedom didn't you know kick off until two thousand one and two thousand two or two thousand three really. And the most gifted of the Armstrong brothers on the microphone. I was going to say yes on the microphone because I think Brad Armstrong was actually uh, the most gifted wrestler. But he he was a Marine. And he did time in Desert Storm, and he was a sergeant. Oh, he made it a sergeant, really? Made it all the way to sergeant. But now, Kyle, you know there's no such thing as used to be a Marine. 
No, always the Marine. <laughs> Once a Marine, always a Marine. Now, if you hear somebody say ex-Marine, well, they got in trouble. We'll discuss that later. Anyway, but you know, he—I don't think I've really heard him talk too much about his time in the Marine Corps. Um, but he just has. I mean, just mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, he, and he is proud of what he did. And like I said, once a Marine, always a Marine. And I imagine that he and some of the other ones um, within the WWE who are on the roster now, who are also uh, former active duty Marines. I just feel like that. Um, I'm pretty sure they they probably have some nice conversations because you know how you can tell somebody's a Marine. Oh, they'll tell you. Oh, they will absolutely tell you. Are if they were a good Marine, you can tell without even asking them. Very true. I, I'm being trained by a Marine myself. For because um, you're taking is it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay uh, Thai, and powerlifting. Okay, but. The road dog here, as we will now call him, he did some time in WCW where, of course, all the Armstrongs seemed to wrestle for a bit. Met Triple H there when he was terrorizing. Oh, even before he was um, Jean-Paul Levesque. Right. Goes over to uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Appears as the road dog or Jeff Jarrett's lackey on WWF programming when Jeff Jarrett was a country music singer. That's how bad wrestling was in the in the nineties, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out to be the actual artist who sang the song. And he actually did sing it, didn't he? He really did. Yeah. Sing it. Now, the interesting thing is he was he was floundering because there's nothing really entertaining about a country music singer in the mid-90s. Country music was not in. Unless you were already a country fan, but it wasn't like mainstream. Well, at the time, it had been mainstream, then it kind of dropped off. And now, because I, I, I'm not really a country fan, um, I'll listen to certain songs. You know that. I mean, do, do you, if anybody's listening, yeah, don't let the accent fool you. I may be from the South, but I am not like a real big country music fan. I've always been a metalhead. So, you know, um, but there are some country songs I can appreciate, and I do appreciate the guitar work, you know, because you have some like Keith Urban, who is a phenomenal guitar player, you know. But aside from that, I just couldn't get into it. Even as patriotic as what country music is, um, I like those songs, and you know, and I actually saw Toby Keith play in concert, and I got to meet the man when I was in Afghanistan. And have you ever, um, you ever seen that picture on my Facebook, Kyle, on my personal Facebook? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's Toby Keith, that's a big dude. <laughs> he is a big man. Um, but I'm, not, I'm just not a country music fan. 
forms a partnership with Billy Gunn, who is the 1990s version of the Honky Tonk Man. And it's as ridiculous as it sounds, rockability. I remember that, and I remember thinking, you know, what little I saw, because I was more of a WCW guy at the time. Yeah, I chose the wrong team there. Um, I was thinking, Rockabilly? What? Ain't that one of the smoking guns? You know, what happened to the other guy? But well, He started knocking people out in the brawl for all. <laughs> for real. Really? As far as his wrestling career goes, he's really known for being a new age outlaw and the mouth, the big guy, mouthpiece for Degeneration X. Oh, you didn't know? You better call somebody. That's your like that. Part, but yeah, whatever. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I I I I seen what I want. So he, he did that, and then the, the other thing, I, I don't know if you were a TNA fan from the beginning, but he had an awesome group with three li- called Three Live Crew with Conan and Ron Killings. <laughs> three Live Crew. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, that, they were a fantastic group in the early version of TNA. Yeah, I may or I may or may not have had a a single of um, two live crew. Yeah, I said a single. So he uh, again teamed with Billy Gunn in TNA when they were the James Gang, and goes becomes the Voodoo Ken Mafia, and then they go through a bitter period against uh, WWE. We saw him wrestle in Maryland here for Maryland Championship Wrestling. Spends his last three active years in WWF and became a producer who up until about a year ago was in charge of, I want to say, Raw or SmackDown. Uh, I'm thinking it was SmackDown, but don't quote me. Um, and it always thought, well, in the first time when I heard he was doing like the agent work and some of the booking work, I'm thinking, wow, that's a little bit of a change. But then I remembered who his dad was because his dad actually ran a territory down in Pensacola. Yeah. You know, uh, Pensacola, you know, which where my tech school was, even though I was in the Air Force, and Pensacola is a Navy town. My tech school is on a Navy base, and our next entrance was in the Navy. But he's known for being in the Navy. He was also part of the, the Buds team, and kind of controversial, not because of anything he did in wrestling, but because of some stuff he's done outside of wrestling, and that's Jesse the Body Ventura, one of your favorites. One of my against him, but I know he's one of your favorites. Former politician, former mayor of a small town in Minnesota, three-time author that I'm aware of because I've read all his books. Known conspiracy theorist, 
not conspiracy, it's government secret theorists. You forgot he was also the governor of Minnesota. Oh, that's right. Former see the mind Ventura. Yep. And multi time movie star back when movies were really good. Uh Predator, Running Man, Demolition Man, Batman and Robin, and a small cameo in Major League Two. You know, when Predator first came out, when it first came on HBO, the only reason I watched it was to see him. And then when he got killed, I turned it off. I was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) But his wrestling career, honestly, it got cut short, didn't it? It did. I want to say he had – it wasn't like an injury like bones or, you know, like – he had like blood pressure issues or blood clot issue. It was something kind of off the wall that you don't think about, um, but it, it's something that could be very dangerous, and he couldn't pass a physical because of it. Like uh, a heart issue, right? Yeah, something like that. It was um, – uh, let me see if I can find it. That's, like I said, cause that's what I did not – do enough research before, um, and I mean, and that's on me. And I'm not going to make any excuses. I mean, I would say, hey, I've been busy, but you know what? I still could have done something. Uh, you know, the Wikipedia doesn't actually. Not that I could find like real quick. Uh, the, the interesting thing about Jesse Ventura is I remember him more for his commentary than I do his matches. Oh, he was he was a great commenter, commentator. And he he was a true heel that would pretend the heels didn't cheat and that the baby faces were the real bad guys. He was the first heel commentator, wasn't he? avid hater of Hulk Hogan. So if you were on the anti-Hogan boat, you enjoyed Jesse Ventura. Oh, he had blood clots in his lungs. And you have to wonder if his wrestling career was cut short because of his military career. Well, he said the clots were a result of his exposure to Agent Orange during his time in Vietnam. So, sounds like it could have been, but his heat with Hulk Hogan wasn't just in the ring. He has heat with Hulk Hogan outside the ring as well, because he says Hogan's kind of a snitch. Hogan snitched him out about some stuff. About creating a wrestling union. Yep, and regardless of your opinion of unions, I mean, I I will, okay, I'll stop. I don't want to get political, however... (laughs) Um, I almost feel like if any profession needed a union, you know, wrestling might just be it. Um, because you really think about this, I believe stunt workers in Hollywood, they have a union. Actors, of course, they had the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, you're not going to get many parts in Hollywood without being part of that. 
wrestlers, they do a lot of the same kind of stunt work. They also do a lot of the same kind of acting. You put them on the road, you know, for 300 days a year. You know, think about that. I mean, just barely two months cumulative where you're not on the road. That's two months cumulative where you might be able to see your family if you're even able to have one. So maybe them having a union's not a bad idea. Jesse brought it up, and Hogan went and stooged him out. Yeah, well, when Hogan makes 30-something million over his wrestling career, you could see where he doesn't want to give up his piece of the pie. But that goes to an interesting discussion, which Jesse has had, how is it that the WWE is making record-breaking profits this year and they've released? That's what the conference call said. Uh, Which conference call? During the third quarter stock meeting. Uh, Oh, I I usually catch the... Go ahead. Record-breaking profits, but they've released something like 34 talent and over 100 employees. Well, that's the reason why they're making the profits is because their payroll all of a sudden dropped down to probably a quarter of what it was. Uh, so, yeah, when you do that, yeah, percentage-wise, percentage you can make profits. Raw numbers, gross, probably not. I mean, if I really guess. But, I mean, if they're, if they're just going by percentages, yeah, their stock also uh, still pays – uh, a dividend of twelve cents always has never no more no less. Even when they're they were down, Vince McMahon insisted it still pay twelve cents. Um, I actually used to own WWE stock. I dropped it probably what, right when it started falling kind of bad last year. I didn't drop it in time, so I still took a loss on it. Um, I should have sold it when it right when, the very day it hit a hundred dollars. Um, it didn't stay a hundred dollars that day, but when it hit that, I should have sold it. But that's my fault. Um, but that, you know what? I'm gonna check them right now because the stock market actually did pretty good today. So let me go check what the WWE stock did. But carry on what you were saying while I'm checking that. But it's his heel commentary. Granted, there's no one like Corey Graves tries, but yeah. That's an acquired taste. Um, Core Graves doesn't convince me. He's not a bad commentator. You know, I don't want to say he's bad at all, but he just doesn't convince me as a heel commentator. The stock is at forty dollars and twenty three cents. Saturday anyway. night's events, all the pay per views. He tried to treat it like a legitimate sporting contest. And probably me, WrestleMania three. Him and Gorilla Monsoon were an awesome announced team. I'll give you a break. <laughs> Sorry, just had to throw that in there. Talk about wrestling and what makes it right, what makes it wrong. Jesse Ventura always had a unique outfit it separated him from other wrestlers. Yeah, because um, 
was a superstar, Billy Graham. One of them said jokingly, I mean, they were friends, but he said, yeah, he stole his look from me. Or maybe, maybe Jesse said superstar stole his look from him. Yeah. And then Hogan stole it from superstar. Yeah. Hogan stole the 24 inch pythons, brother, 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 brother. You know, and I'll be honest, when it comes to Hogan, it's hard for me to even mention him because of all the stuff that we've heard since then has happened in the locker room, behind the scenes, in the back offices. Then the stuff that's happened in the past few years, him being booted out of the WWE Hall of Fame for good reason. I completely agree with that. Um, Did not necessarily agree with them bringing him back because that's been kind of controversial and because of his remarks in that video and that video itself was another scandal because how are you going to sit there and say that you're this role model for children I mean, granted when he was a bad guy he wasn't but but when he went back to the the red and yellow he's supposed to kind of be a role model for children and then he's doing all that and then he's dropping racist uh, terms left and right on on this video. Well, anyway, the, the, I, dig- I digress. Go ahead. Question. In your home, doing whatever, I would not expect you as my friend to be videotaping me for any reason. Well, all right, let's stop. <laughs> We're about to go into some non-family-friendly territory. Um, his so, friend wasn't exactly a good friend. <laughs> anyway, you you take that and you bring up Hulk Hogan, our number three competitor, <laughs> is a Navy veteran who was considered the Hulk Hogan of Mexico. And that's Conan. Yep. Yep. I like Conan. I've always liked Conan. Ever since, every time I saw him wrestle I, on TV, I've always liked him. Always found a a way some people have it, but always found a way to get over. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Um, he... His turning, if you well, when he turned to Rey Mysterio, <coughs> Rey was already hurt in the ring. I think it was his arm. No, it was his leg. And Conan came in there. It's like, is he going to help him or is he going to? Nope, he's not helping him. And he grabbed his leg and he kind of yanked back on even harder. And Rey, I mean, it, you almost thought the man was crying. You know, it made me almost go, oh my God, what are they doing to him? But Conan was good. And one of the biggest influences of all of wrestling because he, he's another one that he has his own podcast and he's, or at least I, does he still have his own podcast? Yes, he does. It's fantastic. Him and Disco Inferno. That's an odd pairing. Disco Inferno is fantastic. He's oh, great. I've heard that. It's just, well, and I'm looking too much at their characters, I guess, but you would think Conan and Disco Inferno as a team. You know, but that's their characters, though. That's not them. That's not um, whatever Conan's real name is and Glenn Gilberti. 
but I've heard it. Yeah, I have heard his podcast is is like you said, fantastic. But he's ran his own promotion, so he can book. He understands the business part of it as well, not just the in the ring, but the out of the ring. And very well spoken, and he's very serious about what he does. Very, very gifted in the ring. And I thought when you said impact, the first thing we know he did for the business is he taught Bret Hart, the sharpshooter. Which is kind of wild if you think about it, because if you were to say, okay, who taught Bret Hart moves, you would, especially submission moves, you would automatically think his dad, Stu. But no, it was Conan. Imagine now Bret Hart with a different finishing move. When Bret went solo and he split off from Jim Neidhart, I don't remember where I was at. Somehow I wasn't aware that he went solo. Then he he's fighting Kurt Hennig for the Intercontinental title, and they had him using the sharpshooter. But then as soon as I saw the sharpshooter, the first thing I was thinking, hey, this scorpion leg lock, except for he's stepping through with his left leg instead of his right leg. But anyway, so Conan taught him that move. So and that's And that's a move that obviously Brett uses it. Don't know where Sting may have learned it from somebody else because I saw uh, Mr. Saito. He was the first one that I saw use it. And actually, I just saw a picture of it. And I always thought, wow, okay, that's a different take on a Boston Crab. That's going to be a little bit harder to get out of. Mexico, they did uh, the Win Worlds Collide promotion with WCW. And that is what introduced the American audience to Conan. When he wrestled uh, Pero Aguayo. And then he comes to WCW. And he's feuding with the one-man gang over the inter- the United States Championship. Does a little bit of time in the Dungeon of Doom, which doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, I, Conan's not a fit with the Dungeon of Doom. He's... He's his own person. And the Dungeon of Doom are a bunch, they were supposed to be a bunch of misfits, and Conan's definitely not a misfit. And they put him in the NWO Red and Black, which was an awesome fit when that was going on. He really came out then, and he started to do the talking on the mic. Led the uh, Latino World Order for a while. The LWO. Like, everything he was, all the way to LAX in Impact TNA, everything he was in was always good. Yeah, and everything he does now is also good, and I'm hoping that if he's not in any kind of Hall of Fames, which he should be, but if he's not, he needs to be. And not just for his single work, but his work with factions. Like you know, the, like you said, the NWO went in. I can see Conan being a good part of that. Um, but just to move on, you know, we're talking about Conan being in factions. Our next one 
is actually part of a faction right now, the Hurt Business, which is kind of a goofy name, but they are very effective. And we're talking about the one and only Bobby Lashley. So Army Army veteran. Is there ever a human being that looks like he was born to be a wrestler? Oh, that's him. I mean, he is just uh, – he's got that look. You know, you were talking about Brock Lesnar, how you wouldn't want to go against him with a shotgun, a stun gun, and four friends. I think Bobby Lashley kind of fits in that category too. Well, another pro fighter, not at the same level, but very, very good pro fighter. Never, never got the speaking aspect. Well, because Uh when you see somebody that big, you don't expect him to have a voice as soft as what he has. Right. So too too nice of a human being to have that mean side. But one one of the wrestlers and, and he really should get more credit for this, but uh a TNA world champion. And you see it more now, and it's becoming less of a deal now. But Ron Killings, our our truth, Bobby Lashley, both black heavyweight champions in that organization, and he was a great heavyweight champion in Impact Wrestling. He had a character that they mastered. They had someone speak for him. And mastered, all he had to do was go in and beat people up. And with Bobby Lashley, we also can't forget, he was in one of the most famous WrestleMania matches of all time. For the life of me, I cannot remember which WrestleMania number it was. Was it 24, 25? I want to say 22. Wow, that far back. But yeah, he um, he was at twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three. Man, I'm, I'm getting old. In the uh, hair version. Yep, because he fought Umaga. Another guy, you know, may rest in peace. But somebody else that legit you wouldn't want to mess with. But but Lashley, I think they did a good thing when they put him with MVP. I wish MVP would stay more out of the ring as a manager and a mouthpiece because he is fantastic like that with Lashley being the absolute killer that he is because it, you're right, it is hard to convince somebody that well his voice his voice just doesn't match his body we'll just <laughs> leave it at that he's got Mike Tyson syndrome except without the list But this is not to discredit him for the awful storyline he was put in with Lana. Oh, good Lord, no. That was horrible. But a, a 
a great wrestler, a great amateur background, NAIA champion. And for 44, he looks the same as he did the first day you saw him on WWF television. And apparently he also owns a smoothie shop or a smoothie business, I should say. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, he's also got brains as well. So I can see him, even though he's 44, I can see his career, in at least in the wrestling business, lasting even longer. You know, because it sounds like he has a head for business, so maybe he opens up his own territory. Maybe he opens up a um, school. But either way, I'm just glad that Leo Rush is no longer his manager. <laughs> All right. So you, you want to knock out some honorable mentions? I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and take a commercial break real quick, and we will knock out. There are tons of honorable mentions just because of what the subject is, and as soon as we come back from the commercial break, we we will name them, and then we will get to our number one. And we're back. So, I'm just going to mention a name, and we'll just do a real quick couple-second synopsis because we actually have quite a few names here. But I will actually start, um, and if you just want to, because you have the same list I do, so um, I'm going to start from the list on the right, if you know what I'm saying, like the big list of the the names we have combined. And then once we finish that one, then we'll jump over to the ones that we haven't named yet. But but Baron Von Roschke, I believe he was Army veteran and former AWA tag team champion. Yep. Then we have our good buddy, Deb Coulter, also known as Dutch Mantel. I will always know him better as Dutch Mantel, but Deb Coulter's cool too. Another Army veteran, Vietnam veteran. Um, then... We have another Army veteran, Corporal Kirshner, which he actually used that as part of his gimmick. But he was uh, – was he airborne at Fort Bragg? I believe so. Tag team partner of Sergeant Slaughter. For a little bit, yeah. Um, but go ahead with the next one. Or do you want to? Do you want then me to take have- it? Jack Mulligan. Um, Marine big, big star in the 70s 80s Somewhat in the 80s Father of Barry and Kendall Father-in-law of Mike Rotunda Grandfather of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas uh, But his sons were in the wrestling So our, our next one Bullet Bob Armstrong The head of the Armstrong clan Also a Marine And we're hitting a lot of Marines in this list Quite a few they're tough guys yeah our next one a current wrestler who is fun to watch and i don't think i've ever seen anybody get as high as this guy does on his jumps and that includes kofi you know how kofi gets but montez ford so someone we can see elevating on the list 
husband oh, oh, of yeah, absolutely. Bianca Belair and current tag well SmackDown champion, tag team champion, and one of the Street Profits. Yeah, they're actually a good team, and I I I see more good things happening to them. So speaking of tag team champions, our next one, um, Manny Fernandez, at least two-time holder, maybe three-time of the NWA World Tag Team Championship, once with Dusty Rhodes, and I think maybe twice with Rick Rude, who had Army veteran, Vietnam vet. And the Raging Bull. Yes. Legit tough guy. Yes, and my mom had a crush on him, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> the most beautiful person on our list, and another former Marine, Lacey Evans. Yes, and they actually they do mention it. Um, they didn't mention it at first, really. It was just something I happened to read on Wikipedia, and now they mention it every time she's on the screen. And if, if you've noticed her latest outfit, they actually have the green and red, like she's in their – is it the, the the Class A's, their dress green uniform, which unfortunately the, the Marine Corps dress blues are the best-looking dress uniform in the military, then their dress greens are not. But anyway. <laughs> On our list, uh, you pulled them up, New Zealand Air Force. Yes. And NWA champion, Pat O'Connor. Yep. And, yes, we are including If we know about them being in another country's – military, we will include them, especially if they're one of our allies, which New Zealand is one of our allies. Uh, the next one, kind of surprised. Well, I actually know the next one I actually did know about because when I found this out, I actually sent him an email back in like 2003. I said, oh, you were in the Air Force. And he said he was, he was actually a personnelist. And that is a long time ago. In other words, he didn't want to talk about it. That'd be Paul Bearer. He was a, a personnelist in the Air Force, and he was stationed. I want to say he was actually stationed in Biloxi because he actually started wrestling while he was still in the Air Force. And ironic, this is coming on the 30-year anniversary of The Undertaker, the manager of The Undertaker, but also known as Percy Pringle in Florida and WCCW, former manager of the Dingo Warrior, our ultimate warrior, and Rick Rude. Yep, and among Rick, others, go ahead. Among others. And I was going to say one of Rick Rude's opponents in world class, and I believe Florida as well, was Billy Jack Haynes, who I didn't know until I was researching this that he was actually in the Army. He didn't mention much. He just said, yeah, he was in the Army. But that's about it. Well, he's gone certifiably insane now. He really has. <laughs> him and, and him and Marty Jannetty, they're both saying, here, hold my beer. And master of the full Nelson. Now, the next one, he's not as widely known. His dad is um, better known than he is, but Tama Tonga, son of Mang or uh, King Tonga or... Haku. Haku. But Tom Tonga, so, Army, Army veteran, wasn't he? Or no, he was... Army? Was he Army or Air Force? Um, I want to say Army. But current member of the New Japan Bullet Club. 
the most overstable in the business? Yes. Uh, the next one, who I believe was in the Air Force. In fact, I will go verify that while we're talking about him. But Crush. So Crush was in the Air Force. Okay. Another one may rest in peace. And, and it was, just think about him being uh, in the Air Force as big as what he was. I, I don't know how he fit on a plane. That was yeah. a big guy. Someone who used their wrestling in their gimmick was Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. Yep. And he was, well, I remember when he was in WCW, and then he left, and apparently he was working for some independent companies, but they were doing shows on military bases overseas. And he enjoyed that because, I mean, he knew what it was like being entertained while – I don't want to say stuck, you know, because places like Okinawa and, and Misawa and Yokota, like in Japan, you're not stuck because you have all your amenities there. And it's, Actually, those are nice places to be, but you are still away from home, and just to have it over there, him, for him to be able to entertain them the way he was entertained for him was actually a, a pretty big joy. Uh I'll actually mention the next one because this actually makes me wonder why I didn't list him higher for a lot of reasons. Um, Paul Bosch, former promoter out of Houston, and maybe because his name is is well known now, but Paul Bosch was in World War II. Uh, I know this will mean a lot to you, Kyle, and, and our other veterans. It should mean a lot to him. And people are civilians. It, it sounds like it should mean a lot, and it really does, but he had a silver star with a cluster, bronze star with a cluster, and a purple heart. And someone who went legitimately blind for for their service. Yeah. So not only as a promoter who brought us, among others, Bruce Pritchard, who's on the – creative team right now again again but legendary down in Houston for many years all the way to when Vince McMahon bought the territory up we're going to have to get the other ones pretty fast yeah I was going to say our next two I'll actually mention together because they're a team but Steve Cutler and Jackson Riker I totally forgot they were a team because I haven't seen them so long. The Forgotten Sons, but both of them, Marines. As they'll tell you, they're Marines, but they kind of fitted into their gimmick as being forgotten. You know, and I and I get it. Forgotten but, because of someone's use of their Twitter account, but it's not popular to have opposing views right now. But also known as Gunner in TNA Wrestling. Go ahead. Stu Hart, who was in the Canadian Navy, who we all know about, and the Iron Sheik, who was in the Iranian Army back when we were allies. Yes, we were allies with them at the time. This is before Iran became jerks. The Iranian government, I'm not saying the citizens, I'm just saying the Iranian government. Uh, next is Professor Toru Tanaka, 
he was Army, I think. I remember seeing that right. Um, then Arnold Scaland, or Scaland, I've actually heard it pronounced both ways. Another one, I believe he was either Army or Navy. I wish I would have written this beside it. Uh, we've already mentioned Pat O'Connor. But the next one, Chris Melendez, who is only the second wrestler to only have one leg. But he lost his leg in Iraq while he was serving. And wrestled for TNA Wrestling yes. during their gut check performance. And the next one, I didn't see a lot. It was just saying that he was in the Army, that he it actually said he played football for the Army, but that was also during those days when people could join the military just to play sports. It kind of happens now, uh, some, but not nearly as prevalent as what used to be. But that's Ox Baker, who we mentioned on previous episode. One of the scariest wrestlers ever. Yep, with the heart punch and the eyebrows. Next, somebody else who actually worked it into their gimmick, Ranger Ross, who I think should have gone longer, but he didn't. You know, and it, it happens. Um, our last two before we get to our number one of our veterans, I'll put an asterisk on both of them um, for different reasons. One, Drew Carey. He was in the Royal Rumble once. He tried to bribe Kane, and then he jumped out of the ring and hightailed it out of there. So I, I include him as kind of a joke because Drew Carey, though he – he was in the Marine Corps Reserves for actually many years. Yeah. And our last one, and this is the one we will put an asterisk on, we will put a caveat. When Kyle and I talk about veterans, we talk about those who served honorably. Now, you can get in trouble and still come out with an honorable discharge. You can even come out with a general discharge. It could be upgraded to honorable. Anything under lower than that, which means you couldn't stay out of trouble. In this man's case, he couldn't stay out of trouble. He went AWOL, what, twice? And he, he either way left with a bad conduct, please leave the service discharge. Yep, he left with the big chicken dinner. And that would be Randy Orton. And That's all we need. That's all we need to say about that. He wasn't even allowed to play that part in the movie that he was making because the Real Marine Corps said uh, no. Now, before we reveal our number one, take our last commercial break because, well, that's how we roll. And we are back. And our number one, and Kyle and I both agreed. And do you want to do a drum roll? You want me to do a drum roll, or you just want to say the name? Just say the name. Big Sexy, Kevin Nash. So, 21-time champion. 21? 21 times. Oh, good Lord. Now, remember, five-time world champion, one-time WWF champion, but a 12-time tag team champion. And that's not including his TNA accolades. But Kevin Nash is Diesel. A few 
bright spots of the early 90s in the WWF. The uh, military policeman, another big guy who served in the in the military police. So big guy. Yeah, he was in the he was in the army, in stationed in Germany actually. And really perfect professional wrestler. Have you ever seen the interview where he talks about how he ended up in the Army? Okay, so before he was a wrestler, before he went in the Army, he played basketball at the University of Tennessee. Go figure, a guy who's six foot ten playing basketball. And he ended up hurting his leg, I think, and he couldn't play. So he said one day he and his friends, they – we're just sitting around doing nothing on a Sunday. They decided to go watch the Sunday matinee. And the movie that this just happened to be on was Stripes. And he came out there. He said, well, that looks easy. And so he went down and enlisted in the Army. And, yeah, he was wrong. He said he found that out real quick. It was not easy. But. He still, you know, he did his time, uh, and he served honorably. And I want to say he may have actually been discharged because he, um, because of a knee injury, maybe. But either way, I mean, he did serve honorably uh, in probably one of the biggest uniforms they ever had to find. Oh, definitely. But Impact is a wrestler, is a member of the Click, a member of the NWO, and. Part of the booking committees, he, like it or not, he had a mind for the business. He picked it up incredibly well. Oh, and he's a smart businessman, too. And, and another wrestler who's become a, a movie star. Starring in uh, Magic Mike 1 and 2. Ah. Yeah, those Oscar winners. Hey, still better than no holds bar. <laughs> well, that's like, hey, look, I smell better than poop. Hey. So, uh, overall, you could argue that Brock Lesnar and his National Guard service was uh, worthy of being on the list. He didn't make it out of... Um, but, yeah, he, he signed up. He never finished basic training. Right, and that's one of the things that if you get an entry-level discharge, it's not dishonorable, but it's just considered entry-level discharge. It's like you were never there. So he's still higher than Randy Orton on our list. As far as I'm concerned, absolutely, because he didn't get kicked out. He wasn't asked to leave. And while we're on the topic, uh, Kyle and I, we do want to give a shout-out to all our brothers and sisters in arms, especially those that we served with. Um, because Kyle and I, when we were stationed together in Maryland, and that's where we met and we became friends, and that friendship is now going on 22, 23 years. Yep. And now we run a podcast together, 
And I do want to give another shout-out, even though if he's listening somehow, he's probably going to get in trouble for it. But I have a nephew who's actually going through Paris Island right now. And apparently this week is swim week. Oh. Yep, so all the Marines who know what that is, y'all know what he's going through. Uh, he's been wanting to be a Marine ever since he was about six years old, no matter how much I tried to tell him go in the Air Force, but he wasn't having it. He wanted to be a Marine. And so that's where he's going right now. And, by the way, to answer your question, I'm, I have Raw on right now, and it looks like they're about to put Lana through the, the table or the desk again. That's a shame. That is a shame. But, oh, maybe not. Anyway, we have about two minutes left, Kyle. So do you remember what our next topic is? It should be on their Survivor Series. Close. We can do it on the Survivor Series, but um, actually I have a schedule for this Tuesday in Texas. Oh, another great episode. Yep. And that one was interesting. That one, um, at the time, I really wish I had a satellite dish because I actually saw the Survivor Series that came before that. And that's something that we will have to cover a little bit is the Survivor Series in 1991, precursor for this. Um, but, yeah, it was actually a pretty good card, and it did not just place in history, but if you notice, they don't really do Tuesday pay-per-views. But is there, is there anything else that you want to pass along to us, Kyle, since we've got about a minute left before they give us a hard stop? Oh, being that it's it is Veterans Day. Reach out to your veterans. There's still 22 veterans a day that are committing suicide. So don't just do push-ups. Donate money. Reach out to your veteran friends and make sure they're okay. Yep, especially if you know they're going through a hard time. Because sometimes it is hard to come home. I had a lot easier time than, than others, some of my brothers and sisters. And unfortunately, we have lost some. I've I, I knew some who couldn't stand the thought of not being in uniform anymore, and they ended up committing suicide literally days before they were supposed to get out. And, oh. and it's hard. But uh, until, until uh, next week, Kyle, uh, my friend, I will be talking with you, and look forward to, look forward to next week. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, man. See ya. Bye.